This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I am a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Mike and Glenn, who are a gay couple living in Melbourne and are intended parents. And what's really exciting is that they're about to become parents in the next few weeks as their surrogate, Kate, is pregnant with one of their embryos that they created with eggs donated from their friend Cass. You will hear them mention a number of uh, different communities in this uh, podcast, so I'm just going to mention them now in case you need to go looking for them. The first one is the Australian Surrogacy Community, which you can find on Facebook. You can also join the forum at Fertility Connections, and they also mention Egg Donation Australia, which is also on Facebook. And you can also look for Shannon Garner's book, which is called Labour of Love. Shannon was a two-time surrogate, and her book is about her journey being a surrogate in Australia. And you can find her on Facebook, and you can also find the book in most good bookstores. Without further ado, I'm going to now hand over to Mike and Glenn. We are Glenn and Mike from Melbourne, and we are intended dads. Uh, we have a baby due in well, two and a half weeks. Uh, and yeah, life's getting crazy. It is. <laughs> it is. We've been, we've probably been on this, this surrogacy pathway, I guess, for, I think it would be close to, it'd be getting close to five years now. Yeah. I think in, in a number of forms um, from, you know, looking at things internationally and, and giving it a shot um, overseas to finally coming back home and, um, discovering uh, surrogacy in Australia, which uh, initially we didn't even really... We didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, we didn't know it existed. So maybe take me all the way back then. What happened at the beginning when, do you, when you decided we'd like to have a child? What were your first steps? So we... Um, we it had kind of been floating around in our minds for a little while, but not, not to a, a really strong degree. And then after a while, we discussed it further. Um, we we kind of looked at, at examples around as to who had done it. I had a friend from work um, whose brother-in-law and his um, partner had gone through surrogacy in Thailand, and that was that was kind of all that I sort of knew was overseas surrogacy. And you were probably the same. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so we contacted. Um, oh, we sniffed around. You know, thank, thanks to Google. Um, as everyone does, and had a bit of a look around at different options. And I guess at that stage, Thailand seemed to be the the place to go. Yeah, the place to go. So we we looked around and we found an agency that um, actually had a had a a rep, I guess you'd say, here in Melbourne. So um, one person was based here, and then there was someone based over in Thailand that was sort of running the show, I guess. And so we met with them a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we just went into her office and she, that wasn't her main thing. So she worked for a company and she just allowed us to come and meet with her at 8am at her office and talk through everything. And um, yeah, so she had her business partner based in Thailand and basically she just explained the whole process. And, you know, we might've met with her over the course of the first year, maybe three or four times, yeah. just getting a feel for what she was saying and sort of then walking away and thinking about it. Um, but it sort of all, yeah, it all sort of fell apart probably after 12 months anyway. 
Yeah, well, it was just at the, we, we, were, we were pretty tempted by it, I guess, for want of a better word. And then um, as we were really giving it some serious thought, the whole baby gammy um, situation happened in Thailand and it, you know, surrogacy in Thailand was um, shut, shut up pretty quickly, yeah. I think, after that. So um, we, we really stepped back from that pretty quickly. Um, after all of the Thailand stuff um, shut up shop, we, we took a bit of a break for a little while and I was probably a bit um, a bit down in the, do- the the dumps after that thing. Oh, you know, that was that was the shot that we had. Now they've, they've shut up shop there. So we, we just kind of stepped, stood, stepped but, back. Yeah, but we still had contact with yeah. this woman. Yeah. You know, she we, we felt that she was, you know, a great person to be involved with. She actually at that time had um, twins on the way in Thailand. So she was doing it herself. And so we kept in contact with her and she said, okay, we've got a new, got a new plan, got a new sort of, sort of situation that we're setting up in Cambodia. So, you know, let's catch up and just have a chat. And so she explained to us that it was going to be a cross border kind of thing. So they'd still be working with Thai surrogates, but they would basically go to Cambodia to do all the um, sort of, um, procedures the and whatnot, stuff, yeah. and then also take them back to Cambodia for, to give birth. Was that? Yeah. yeah. That's where it started getting really confusing. Yeah. It's like, oh, so which... And yeah. then she started explaining about, you know, at this point, you know, we haven't got it all sorted out and Cambodia currently don't have any laws around surrogacy. So, you know, it means that, um, you know, basically we can do what we want kind of, oh, she didn't really say do what we want, but Basically saying because there were no laws, they were kind of a bit, uh, you know, very much. But um, we we kind of walked away from that and went, oh, I don't know. That doesn't really feel particularly. Um, it didn't feel comfortable. No, it really. didn't. We we both walked away feeling a little bit sort of yeah, not not really down with that. Um, we did then go back and meet with her again six months later when she sort of said that, you know, everything was, um, you know, right to go. Um, and even then when they had it more sort of, you know, laid out how they wanted it to be, we just, we weren't feeling it. And so we walked away and we said, okay, that's, that's that. We're not, you know, we're not going to risk, you know, we're not stupid. You know, we'd love to have a family, but we're also not going to, you know, risk our, you know, situation yeah. and everything and, you know, dodgy sounding laws. Mm. So, and, yeah. And it was interesting through all of this, um, completely different to where we are now. At that stage, we didn't know anyone else going through it. Um, we certainly didn't have the, the, the amazing network that we do now. And so we we didn't really sort of have other experiences to sort of reflect on or, or people to speak to and things. So looking back now, you think, you know, hindsight's a fa- fantastic thing that oh, if, if we, if we had known people to speak to and things such as that, it, it might've been different, but it is, it is what it is. And um, I think it, it was a lesson that it's important to go with your gut sometimes because what was it, maybe 18 months after that, we're sitting on the couch watching the news and a familiar face who we hadn't met, but, you know, it was the, the, the Thai 
um, representative was um, being hauled away in handcuffs. And yeah, yeah. and I, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who, who might be familiar with that. That's part of the story, but it was amazing for us when we just looked at it. We thought, oh shit, you know, that's mm. that's that's who we were dealing with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a... So our gut was right and we dodged yeah. a bullet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. absolutely. Sort of a sliding doors moment. Yeah, it really was. Absolutely. Yeah. It really was. So, um, Where did you go to next in terms of thinking about, well, how does this work if we can't go to Cambodia or Thailand? What, what's the next step? Um, well, Glenn sort of did a bit more research and then found that, you know, there was Mexico as an option, US as an option. Um, you can probably double the price for the process in the US um, and you know we're not made of money <laughs> so, um, yeah so Glenn really sort of looked into the um, Mexico process and found an agent who was based in Newcastle um, and he was working with uh, um, oh, what was it? a uh, an, uh an agency that were based in Chicago. So yeah. he, he was here as their rep based in Australia and they were based in Chicago um, working with clinics in, in Mexico. So we, you know, we contacted him, we met up, we did a lot of phone calls back and forth and everything. Um, and I, I guess after, after nutting through all of that, we thought, okay, you know, as, and, and it was, there was, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a bit of that fear of miss, missing out sort of vibe in the in the background as far as, you know, um, international surrogacy, this country had, had shut up shop, this one had, this one had, and then uh, Mexico seemed to be one of the last ones, certainly within our budget as far as doing commercial surrogacies. So we, we went down that pathway. Um, yeah, and he was Mexico. great. He was really helpful and he was great. No, really good, had a good setup in Chicago and, you know, online portals so we could all talk together and, uh, you know, and that included the um, uh, fertility specialist in Mexico. Um, mm. So, you know, we felt really comfortable with the people we were dealing with uh, and, and it, it immediately felt a lot better than any conversations that we'd had about Thailand slash Cambodia. Yeah, certainly more. Yeah, yeah, and even just to have that um, Aussie slash US connection, yeah. So, and and I think one of the other things that did attract us to it, I guess, and and it's once again looking back now, you realise how much of a you no, know, certainly not an exact science any of these processes are, and but, but at the time going into it, um, still probably somewhat naively, I guess um, that. Uh, the clinic was saying, well, you know, once, once you've, once we have um, the egg donor um, do the donation, we can take half of the eggs for Mike, half of the eggs for me. We can, we can both um, um, have them fertilized. And then we have two lots of embryos and we can pop one of each in. So I guess in our mind, you, you think, Oh, wow, that's fantastic. It's, you know, instant, perfect family, mm. it's, you know, spot on. There's all the, all the lovely connections that we want and it would just be, just be ideal. So, um, you know, that was an attractive element of it as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what switched you off Mexico? Uh, nothing switched us off Mexico. We went to Mexico. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Through the whole process in Mexico, we flew over there um, and 
we, you know, they treated us very well. Um, you know, they recommended the hotel. They organised a driver for us to pick us up from the hotel, take us to the clinic. Uh, we met with um, the people in the clinic who were fantastic. Uh, lots of chit-chat about how it would all work. Um, in the meantime, we had, they had provided us with a um, website with egg donors to choose from. And so they said, pick your top three. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that was like, oh, how do we pick this? So, you know, we ping them on age, how hot they are, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> it was you know, you've got to go with what you're presented yeah, with. It was a stone's throw from Tinder, I'm sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and we did that. And we picked, we picked three um, potential donors um, and they uh, selected one for us from those three. And then they had uh, a surrogate lined up who we never met. Um there was sort of talk about us um, Skyping and that never eventuated. But anyway, we went to Mexico, we went to the clinic, we both made our donations and they, um, they did the, like they fertilized the eggs immediately. Didn't yeah, they? Yeah, Cause yeah. she was in the egg donor was in at the yeah. same time as we were in again, she has to be anonymous. So we never met her. We just told she was there. Um, and so, yeah, so embryos were created and... So they did a fresh transfer. Yeah. Um, well, which... we ended up with eight embryos. Yes. Yeah. Three were <clears throat> mine and five were Glenn's. Um, like, you know, three, uh, eight sort of good five-day yeah. embryos. Yeah. Um, and so by the time we... So we were there for four days. By the time we left... Mexico the next day they were doing the fresh transfer with the um, day five embryos mm -hmm. one of each yep um, so of course you know here we go it's all mm -hmm. happening wow yeah um, so we went back via LA and had a holiday <laughs> <laughs> had a bit of a holiday before we came yeah on. we're not going that far and not just hanging out but, um, yeah yeah um, so that was, you know, we were there and we, you know, we were in LA that whole following week and kind of waiting for the news. Um, and, you know, you, it's the first time we've done this and, you know, they've promised the world because, you know, there's money in for them to promise the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really disappointing when the um, transfer was, it came back negative. Yeah. Um, so they were like, okay, you know, just go again. So we came home and we kept in contact with the uh, agent in Newcastle and the people in um, Chicago. And they did the next, um, they did the next transfer. And again, you know, one of each, but in that um, Thor, of the embryos they lost my last one wow. yeah that was the end of mine but you know glenn had a lot more than i did mm. um, and so anyway another transfer another negative and then a month later they said to us okay here's your options you can uh 
do another two. You've got, you know, two of Glenn's. You can do another two and then a month later, one. Or you can go for gold and uh, transfer all three. And based on cost, um, we sort of... There was a few few things there were a few involved. Factors in there, yeah, yeah, with like the financial side of it, because the first two transfers were included in your cost, and then after that, you know, you pay again. Mm. A couple of things that we weren't entirely um, happy with, and kind of followed up and said, you know, based on what you've told us, um, you know, we'd really like it if you could do this next transfer for nothing, like you know, not charge us, and so. You know, they were good and they said, yep, we understand and so we'll do that. And so, I don't know, we were just kind of like, all right, let's do all three and see what happens. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, admittedly by this stage, you'll look at it and you go, okay, if if it's going to work, we need to budget and find a way to make it happen because, um, you know, it certainly wasn't wasn't cheap as I'm sure a lot of people know. So Yeah, and so, you know, we had the option to do three or two and then one, if we had have left that last one, we would have paid another amount for that one. Um, so we did the three. So we did the three. Yeah. Um, and I think by then, mentally, I was kind of like, all right, well, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because with each one, you kind of, reality kicks in a little bit further. Um, and also, you know, you've got blind faith that they're doing what they say they're doing. And I have no reason to believe that they weren't. But at the end of the day, you don't know. No, but and I guess after receiving a, a number of sort of negative results, you, you do you do find yourself a bit down. So you kind of question things, whether it's right or wrong. And so then when this one came back and initially it was a slight, you know, a slight positive. So there was... One of the three had taken, they said. And yeah. But once again, I don't know how they know that. You know, because if, if they're just going on the readings and, um, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty low, um, but anyhow, they, the readings. Yeah, and so they said, um, give us 48 hours and we'll test again. And, of course, 48 hours later and nothing. So that was the end of that. I mean, there must have been a whole mixture of feelings, I guess. Uh, yes, I had already resigned myself to it not working so I think I already had my um, guard up a little bit I was prepared for it I think you were probably had a bit more hope than I did at yeah the time. absolutely I was gaming yeah. for it yeah um, so that you know I was I was gutted after that um, but then they you know they as you know, similar with our first experience they come back and say oh no we can do this we can do this and um, it was really it was a very hard decision at that point to say um, that we were going to step away from it. And there were, you know, we had lots of discussions and lots of thought about it. Um, but eventually we made the decision that we wouldn't pursue it any further. Well, we hadn't, no, we hadn't closed the door on it completely because in that period of time when we were like thinking about it, basically is when I yeah. found... Shannon Garner's book, mm. Labour of Love, in a bookshop. And so I saw the cover and I just went, yeah, I know what's happening there. So <laughs> I bought it and I absolutely hammered through it, cover to cover. 
Um, and I was telling Glenn every night, this yeah, and that, yeah. and this is happening and that's happening. And Glenn still had in his mind the Mexico. Yeah, options. that's right. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, and the more I read this book, the more I discovered about this, uh, you know, whole community in Australia and the ability that to, you know, do surrogacy in Australia. Yeah. Um, I was just getting so excited by the whole thing, whereas Glenn hadn't read the book. And so he was just like still, you know, uh, yeah, had yeah, his yeah. mind in Mexico. You're right. It was, I was still sort of thinking Mexico. So no apologies, Shannon, but the book did sit on the kitchen table for probably longer than it should have because I, I was kind of, yeah, I was still, you know, clinging on to that, that Mexico potential. And, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have that concept that you could do a similar thing in a slightly different way locally. So, and I think you also had in your mind, you know, there's so much money has been invested into Mexico that, you know, we can't just walk away Absolutely. from that. And, and you know, as much as you don't want to think that, you you do. It's hard not to. Like, you know, we sunk, sunk lots of money into it. We, you know, we we found multiple ways, such as, you know, we even sold sold Mike's car and put the money from that into it and stuff. You think, oh, my God, it's you, you've committed so much to it. So it is difficult to walk away. Um, but as Mike said, once once I finally bit the bullet and read through the through um, Shannon's book, it really did sort of open open my eyes that oh it no. was exciting. It is. It's like it wow, you, maybe this is maybe this is a possibility. And this was all this was probably about two years ago or a little bit before two years ago that we were sort of going through this. And um, it I guess having that understanding of potentially being able to do something locally here did, you know, that that sort of Brought me back to it again, I guess, um, mm. to say, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not all hope is lost. Let's, yeah. let's, let's suss it out. And I, th- I still think, admittedly, at that time, I still had the Mexico thing, just a little, yeah. a little bubble of it in the back of my mind, just in case, you know, mm. you know, because you do find yourself after trialing this and this and this that you think, oh, you know, chances are the next thing we try is just not going to work either. So you, you yeah. kind of have, find yourself a bit of a pessimist after a while, I think. Whereas I was kind of getting so excited reading the book that I hadn't finished it and I thought, I, I need to speak to this woman. There's, the only way that I can get the information I need is to speak to this woman. I don't know who else to speak to. And mm. so I found Shannon on Facebook and sent her a message and just said, you don't know me, I'm reading your book, it's amazing. Um, you know, I'd love to find out more, you know, all that. And I was pleasantly surprised when she responded very quickly and so positively um, and we chatted back and forth. So I was reading the book, I was talking to her. Mm. Glenn still wasn't around it yet because he hadn't seen the book and yeah. so I was getting progressively more excited about, you know, suddenly this world that's opening up in front of me. Um, and so, yeah, once I started talking to Shannon, I think you got on. Yeah. Yeah. And then read the book and she put us onto the Australian surrogacy community Facebook page. Um, and she gave us a really good, you know, um, idea of what's expected of you on the page, you know, a lot, I think uh, there's a lot of people that probably find the Facebook page and join it not having any real sort of 
background or so they come in very green I guess mm. whereas I had come into it already with a little bit of background about you know what's appropriate what's not appropriate within that community um, and so she said get on there introduce yourself um, you know tell your story and you know amazing things will happen yeah. and um, she also suggested that I contact uh, another woman in Melbourne, Renee, who had um, been a surrogate. And so I did that. Mm. And again, so receptive. And she agreed to meet Glenn and I. She gave up. She actually took an annual leave day, but then went into work and we met her at her work and we sat there with her for an hour and a half and she just talked us through the whole thing face to face and it was awesome it was, great. It was so good <laughs> we feel like we've just come into this community you know with our eyes open and you know with a real awareness of um you know what happened you know you can't have a real awareness but you know a, a good um a good idea of what it's all about but it was so important that that we managed to do that because i think if we had come into it from the background that we'd had of just investigating commercial surrogacy, you know, it, it's, they're, they're, they're so different as far as the, the expectations, um, the, the relationships that you build. Um, it's, you know, they're, they're chalk and cheese really, as far as how you interact with people and things such as that. So um, that was really beneficial for us to have some, some people that, um, had 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 their own experiences and were able to to sort of guide us um, as to what's appropriate and how to go about it and how, as you say how to communicate and interact and um, you know it was it was a really good learning curve for us because you real you go from a feeling that yes this is a commercial transaction to one where it's a relationship transaction really the transaction is the wrong word but you know it goes from commercial to rela to a relationship with people yeah. i think and yeah, that's a totally different thing yeah and 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 you know from you know talking to both of them and reading the book i had this really good idea of what it was all about um and you know how different it was to the commercial setup that we'd you know, experienced. Did you ever think about, or did you have opportunities to talk to friends and family about whether they could be an egg donor or a surrogate for you? Uh, look, we'd never asked anyone directly, but so many of our close friends and family knew what we were doing and the process we were going through mm. and no one had, you know, come forth. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, interesting. I think, I think that's also a reflection on, and similar to us when we were starting out that it's not, you know, altruistic surrogacy I don't think is particularly well known mm. in Australia and when it when people do talk about it they usually try and equate it to commercial surrogacy in that because that's that's mainly what people understand it to be um, from you know from the media and things such as that so uh, I think it's 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 great that there is more information you know more more things getting out there for people because that 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 understanding is is so important. So yeah, important. I think also just the types of people Glenn and I are, we would never ask someone that. <laughs> you know, that's such a big thing to ask. We I, I, I don't think, you know, 
if someone offered, amazing. But, you know, I would, I would never think to actually ask someone that. So uh, where did you go from there in terms of finding a surrogate and an egg donor? So we registered, yeah, we, we uh, joined the Australian Surrogacy Community page and we also joined Fertility Connections and put an um, intro up there. But when I put our intro up on the Surrogacy Community page, we were absolutely inundated in 24 hours with just all these people welcoming us and, you know, just saying the most positive yeah. things. And I was, we were both sitting there just looking at our phones and looking at Facebook going, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. I've never <clears throat> seen anything like it. There's all these people out there. They're all so loved up. They're all welcoming us, you know, um, it was just so positive. And it was really, you know, it, it was really just what we needed after it really was. after everything because you, you, you think, oh, I don't know, we'll, do, we'll give it a shot, but, you know, we'll see what, what happens. And doing it on our own. Yeah, and all of a sudden there's this world of people around us that, you know, there were people that had done it before and I think, oh, my God, these, you know, these, these people have been down the, the path of, and you realise that you, you know, your story isn't, sort of the only one out there's people that have done similar things and um, there's people out there that you can pick their brains and find out what's going on and their interest in what you've been doing as well. So um, you, you certainly didn't feel alone anymore. It was, um, no. it, it was, a, it was really the boost that we needed to sort of give it a, give it another red hot shot. It really was. And just to go through that Facebook page and read other people's stories was inspiring. Um, there was so much going on, um, you know, so much of it positive. There was uh, certainly some sad stories in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on the whole, we, we, um, we were just so um, sort of, you know, our spirits were lifted. Yeah. Yeah. So it was perfect. Within that first 24 hours, mm. you know, it was like nothing we'd experienced. Um, and, and, and look, I, I think that pretty much put the nail in the coffin for any other ideas I'd had after that, because you think, wow, this, we, we'd had so much interaction, such a short time. Think this is this is just what we just what we need. Yeah. And um, and you know, we were really fortunate because um, after putting up the our intro and profile, it you know for us it seemed like a things started happening reasonably quickly. It did. It yeah. really did. And we sort of. You know, we've been part of this community for two years now and, you know, we continue to see the struggles that people have um, finding an egg donor, finding a surrogate. Um, and so we kind of, in some ways, we feel uh, bad that things happened pretty easily for us. So we were approached by Cass and Kate Um in the first two weeks of being in the pa on the page, wow. that doesn't happen no. <laughs> to anyone. No. And so, you know, I'm telling this story now, but I don't normally tell that story. <laughs> Just, yeah. But we were so lucky. And so we started up this dialogue with both of them. Um, and um, I started chatting to Kate. Um, I think because I'd kind of been... You know, every couple has a spokesperson. Yeah, that's it. I'm the spokesperson. <laughs> so both of them sort of messaged me. Um, 
to start, you know, the conversation. Um, and with Cass, that moved on to Skype because she was interstate. Um, and that was, you know, with a view of her potentially being an egg donor for us. And also at the same time, I was talking to Kate, who was in Melbourne as well, um, with the possibility of her being a surrogate. And, you know, the words weren't even in there, you know, yet no, at this point. No, no, at no point in that first conversation had, um, you know, oh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could be or so anything like that. It was just, no. how are you going? You know, build a relationship, basically. Yeah, and, and that's what I say, like it is, and it, and it really is about that relationship. I think <clears throat> you'd, you'd be mad to go into into local surrogacy and think that you you wouldn't um, benefit from having a, a strong relationship. You need to have that. And that we've certainly found that over the last 12, 18 months, two years. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's also the type of people we are. We, we would never expect anyone to do stuff for us. So, no. you know, we wouldn't go into a situation expecting someone to do something for us. So, no. so that, you know, that, that time of, uh, meeting up over Skype or face to face with Kate and the, the family and everything was so important because um, both, you know, everyone involved is wanting to learn more about the other people and uh, find out find out what what clicks and maybe what doesn't and, and all that sort of stuff. So it really is about um, forming that relationship and yeah, and seeing where to from there. Yeah, yeah. So we had some good <laughs> Skypes with Cass and we laughed a lot and you know that's always a good sign. You know, we're all on the same page. We all had the same stupid sense of humour. Yeah, absolutely so. nothing that can be repeated on a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sign of a good relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was ace. That yeah, was great. Was good. Really good. And then, um, I don't know how long after, maybe it was four weeks after started talking to Kate that um, Glenn joined the no probably earlier than that but you joined the conversation yeah. it's probably about four weeks after that that we all decided to meet up and so we went to a cafe near Kate's house and met her there mm. and she just came along with her three kids and we said let's just get some takeaway coffees walk down to the park hang out you know it's not that kind of situation where you're sitting around a table you know pretending you're on a date or something and you know all that <laughs> Goodness. If you're if you're at the park with kids, you can focus on them and focus on you know it's it's just a nice environment to get to know someone without that sort of I guess pressure. Mm. Um, and you know, Kate's a very she's not a you know crazy out there person. So you know she's she's not one to jump into things. You know she she's sort of you know moves into situations slowly. And so and and you know, in that situation, so we. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those times that it's, you know, it's, it's not slow for the sake of slow. It's slow because you're giving things lots of thought and consideration and mm. um, and things such as that. And, I, I, you know, I think that's important. Like it's a big, big thing for anyone to um, get involved to involved in and commit to. So I think everyone sort of treads, treads gently at the start just to, you know, ease into it. Because in Australia it is about the relationship, did you have any particular ideas about the sort of person you would want to connect with as an egg donor or a surrogate? Not really. No, we just, you know, it's it's all about just people that we get on with, really. You know, yeah. if, if you, you know, you'd, you'd tell pretty quickly if someone's not for you, <laughs> you know. And it's interesting because both of them, um, with 
Cass and Kate, they're, you know, they're parts of them are so similar, but also parts of them are, they're very, very different people as well. So, um, and I think it's, and I don't know, I would, I would assume that they're with, with a lot of people doing this, there is a, there is a facet of it that is similar in, in everyone in their, um, their, their want to help, help couples or people, um, to to achieve a family and you know i think that's something that comes through really strongly um through a whole lot of different personality types as yeah well. yeah it's not one um, personality type that wants to help people you know yeah. it's a a giant broad range of people and you know that's what this community is but eventually when cass offered to be your egg donor did you start creating embryos before you had confirmed anything with kate i think I can't quite remember the timing on all that, but I would think that it, they offered about the same time. And so that led us to then go into the IVF clinic and get the rundown on yeah. what we should do from there. Mm. And so they said, okay, you've got it. You've got everything in place now. Um, start with the egg donor process. And so we did that and so Cass, we did counselling through uh, the clinic. Um, Cass was able to do some sessions over the phone. Yeah, one or two, I think. But they, was, were, they were cautious about that. Though. Yeah, they weren't really into that. Other yeah. states sort of are a bit more flexible with that. But I don't know if it's even clinics in Melbourne, but Melbourne IVF were pretty adamant about face-to-face, in-person. Um, but we managed to get them to, you know, Cass explained her situation. She's got, you mm. know, three kids and everything. And so it's just difficult for her to fly down multiple times. Um, and so they agreed to do some phone counselling, but they said you need to do one group session, um, the final session. And so that was great. That was fine. Um, that worked out well because we were able to do that at the same time of getting everything to kick off the... Um, lead up to the egg donation i think yeah flew her down and did the counseling but at the same time she picked up all the drugs didn't she to yep. take home with her yeah yep. for the egg donation so it was it really was it really felt like an exercise you know we should have known from the start this was just the beginning uh, but it really was an exercise in trying to organize you know dates and times and schedules and all that kind of stuff and that's which glenn's great at and, and that's well. That's the thing. You, certainly, in a in a couple, you find that um, each person has has things that they bring to the table. Um, and as Mike says, he's he's much more the social spokesperson. Which, without that, we wouldn't be where we are now. Um, and I much prefer sort of the you know the coordinating and making sure things are ticking along and you know more the the boring admin side of stuff but you know it's a bit of a necessary evil as well and i think between us both we sort of made that work yeah we did it really well and so that was really um interesting when Cass came down to do that because that was the first time we had actually met in person you know we'd had lots of skype chit chat but she came down she stayed here with us um it was awesome like it was odd to start you know this person that you've only seen through a computer screen is suddenly standing in front of you yeah um but literally you know we we knew each other well enough to just pick up exactly where we left off on yeah, the last conversation and you know had this you know great i can't remember if she was here for a night a night or two 
yeah, it was good and it was fun. Fun to have her in her house. Um, I think we also took her to meet Kate. Yeah, so we all met up. Um, yeah. Which was really nice because um, just for us all to to spend that that sort of team time together was um, was really important to to just hang out. So that was that was really nice. And it was important while we were going through this process with Cass that Kate felt part of it as well. We wanted her to feel part of this process because, you know, we were doing it as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, one situation and the next situation. Um, and so that was great. You know, we went to Kate's house and, you know, the two of them already knew each other from the community and they'd gotten to know each other through this sort of, you know, joint interest in us. <laughs> and so after that, um, so this was sort of leading up to the Christmas New Year's time, which is always fun when you're dealing with any business, oh, businesses and healthcare and all that kind of stuff. Um, so over the, the Christmas New New Year period, Cass was doing the injections for the egg donation, and it was early in the new year of 2017, so just over 12 months ago, that um, Cass came back and did the the egg donation for us. So um, she flew back and stayed with us here, um, and did the egg donation, and she was an absolute trooper through that because it wasn't necessarily the easiest or most comfortable thing for her to to go through. Yeah, um, yeah, she was a bit sick through that, so yeah. you know we looked after her with chips and coke <laughs> at her request. <laughs> but it went it went really well, and and I always think back of the egg donation and talking about sort of the types of people that you you are involved with. You know, Cass was amazing going through all of that, and I remember her saying that she was before she went in for the egg donation, she was concerned for us. She was concerned that she wouldn't um, be able to to provide us what, what we wanted. She's like, oh, you know, she was worried that they'd go in and there'd be nothing sort of sort of thing. So that that I think that gives a really good reflection on the on the attitudes of people, even though they might be very different personalities. There's that kind of thing underlying it as far as, you know what, I want to be able to give this to you and um, you know, that's what she was worried about. Not so much about herself, but what she was able to give to us. So, mm. um, And boy, did she ever. Yeah, absolutely. 26 <laughs> eggs. Yeah, it was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. how many embryos were you able to get out of that? No, we got eight. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Now, um, I know in Mexico you were able to both um, provide samples for those eggs. I'm going to take a guess that in Australia you didn't do that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, it was just one of us. So we made a decision on who that was going to be. Mm. And that is something that only we know. Um, actually, that's not true. Kate and Cass know as well, but <laughs> not, no one else knows. But everyone um, wants to know. They're everyone d- wants to know. Oh, my yeah. God. And I think you'll find that that question and that discussion doesn't stop when baby arrives. Yeah, yeah I um, It does seem to be an interesting discussion about genetics generally um, and people wanting to know who the baby looks like and who provided the um, genetic material. Yeah, so, well, fortunately yeah. for the two of us, we've got similar complexions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this baby's not going to be born and everyone's going to look at it and go, that's yours or that's yours, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting what, what goes on in people's minds, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah that's... You know, and this is, this is even a thing for, you know, both our parents. You know, we want them to come into it not 
with that thing in the back of their head going, actually, that's my biological grandchild. You know, right or wrong, you know, some people want to tell everyone, others don't, you know, from people we've spoken to, others have said to us, yeah, great idea, you know. Um, and so we want, you know, our parents to come into it and go, that's my grandchild. You know, that's really important for us. So mm. we went through, we got our, we had the embryos. Yeah, so we had yeah. the embryos and then, um, then you know, we, we had the long haul then of, the, the counselling pr- procedures and everything and um, legals and psychological testing, et cetera, et cetera. For the, so for the surrogacy for process. For the surrogacy process. So that would have been a good, I reckon, close to six months and then some because it was... Um, you know, there was still a three-month um, quarantine period on the embryos, but we well and truly went over that. We did. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was early Jan when the embryo, embryo creation happened and it was the 1st of September that we did we finally made it through to transfer. And then I guess you throw into the mix with that um, waiting for the patient review panel in Victoria. So getting an appointment for that. And then we had an appointment, you know, realistically it probably would have ended up being close to six months because I think it was about July that we had our first PRP appointment and we were, Kate, Kate was on the train coming into the city. Mike was about to leave work. I'd taken the day off from work and then they called up and cancelled on us. Mm. And, um, I think Kate probably heard me swearing from wherever she was on the train because we were, we'd were we had this date for ages and they said, no, sorry, we've cancelled because the chairperson's sick or whatever it was. So And there's such a build-up to that moment. <laughs> really you, know, you know you've got to tick that box off and once that box is ticked, off you go. Yeah. You know, get started. Yeah. Make this happen. And, and we all, you know, been such a, you know, it felt like a long process. So we were all, you know, really eager you know, to get the show on the road, particularly Kate. Yeah, of um, course. And, and well, that's the thing. Kate had been, she'd committed herself to this and we were, you know, just, just spending time sort of travelling back and forth to appointments and doing paperwork and all that sort of stuff. So uh, when they finally rescheduled us, I think it was August. Um, and so we all trotted along to PRP. Cass was on the phone, which was great. But once again, we had to get, um, you know, the chairperson to agree that we could have someone on the phone for that, um, which they fortunately did. And then um, once that happened, it really felt like the show got back on the road once they had approved and said, yes, everything's good, paperwork's done, um, you're good to go. And that was that was a huge day. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty unbelievable. And then, so you had the first transfer in September. What happened there? Uh everything <laughs> we we didn't think at once once again i think that little bit of mexico in the back of our minds was saying nah just they'll they'll call up and say sorry you know sorry but not this time and even when we had met with the fertility specialist um had said to us ah, don't count on it working first time um we'll we'll give it a few shots and see how we go and then when the clinic called up um and we're all in separate places. We're all in separate the places. The clinic yeah. called us all, called Glenn and I and Kate individually. Um, you know, Kate had already done a little test that morning and yeah. may have already known. So, yeah, I think <laughs> but there hadn't was an there. She, she was yeah. very good in not, yeah. not letting us know. Yeah. So. But, you know, at the same time, she was also um, <laughs> pretty amazing that she hadn't tested early. Um, mm. Yeah, so... You know, uh, the get the girl from the clinic rang up individually with this news, and I was at home at the time, and the phone rang, and 
you know, she probably could have done a little bit of work on her delivery because <laughs> she was like, oh, hi, it's whoever from Melbourne IVF just ringing to say, and I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, and it had that just, tone, didn't it? Yeah, she's like, oh, just ringing to say congratulations. I'm like, oh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now, uh, well, Kate's uh, how many weeks pregnant? 37. So that's number one, very exciting. Number two, what's it been like over the last 37 odd weeks? Um, it's been interesting. Kate had uh, more morning sickness than she had with her own three. Um, and, you know, there's discussion that having a donor egg can create a different situation for you. I think it was more the nausea, wasn't it? I don't think yeah. She. Yeah, it was the nausea. Yeah. And she managed it well, and she's certainly not the type to uh, really let anyone know. You know, she just sort of gets on with it. You know, we knew we knew she was unwell, and we supported her in that, but she's she just gets on with it. Um, it's the type of person she is. Um, she's, you know, she's a very strong woman um, raising her three kids, and so she's not going to be brought down by a bit of nausea. Um yeah, it was it was interesting. Someone said at the start, and I've heard it multiple, multiple times when you when there's people talking about um, surrogacy and expectations and support and things such as that. That generally, and um, you know, it's a bit of a generalisation, I guess, but generally, um, women being surrogates are not ones necessarily to go out asking for a lot of assistance. And the the more we've been through the the year, the more you know, we realise that more and more as as we go through that. Um, you do, you know, you, you need to make sure you're communicating really well, but also you, you do need to sometimes just kind of keep an eye and ear open and just try and read the situation a little bit. And I'm certainly not saying that we're, we're wonderful at it, um, but you do, I'd like to think that we've sort of built that a little bit more as we've, as we've gone through um, as far as support, because you, there isn't really a tick sheet of, support thing you know and and that was interesting for me because i'm i'm very much a tick sheet kind of kind of guy i like to know okay do this do this do this do that and that's not how it works necessarily in that um you know there are some things that are obvious but there are other things that um and particularly to guys and i once again i don't want this to sound too much like a stereotype but i don't think guys are anywhere near as good at, at picking up on subtleties of um you know, other people sometimes. And so I think that's, that's a learning experience and it has certainly has been for us. Um, and, and, and what that support looks like can be a whole range of things from, um, and it's been interesting, Kate with her kids, like the support is not just for Kate, but there's three other little people that are helping in the situation through the whole thing. So, um, you know, being involved um, and helping support the kids as well, um, because ultimately it's, you know, it's helping all of us really, yeah, and, and I think, you know, going into this, we knew that um, as a single woman, Kate would um, require more support from us. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we've provided that, I think, hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship between the three of us. Um, and, you know, support, you know, it's, it's just come in the form of hanging out a lot of the time. You know, we'll go around to her house and if we, you know, 
we all go out for lunch or, um, you know, we'll just be sitting in the kitchen and one of us will be doing the dishes and having a chat and, um, yeah. So, mm. and, you know, I was going to ask in terms of the next few weeks, um, well, I guess, is there anything that, um, that you need to do between now and when the baby arrives or is everything prepared for now? Yeah, I've, I've, it's interesting. I feel that we're, as, as far as the sort of the team goes, um, we're, we're, we're prepared for as much as we possibly can with, with things that we know um, that will happen. Like we, I think we've been really good in preparing for, um, you know, the, the, the main event being the, being the birth. And um, we've discussed so much in the lead up um, as far as, you know, what things could happen, um, what, what Kate's expectations are, what our expectations are, um, what, what if, you know, what, what the ideal situation looks like, but also what, what we do if things aren't ideal and, and, you know, we've never been through it before, but from what everyone's told me that, you know, there really isn't an ideal sort of situation and, and to, to be aware of what, what can and can't happen. So, yeah. um, and Kate, um, certainly knows what she wants out of the birth and you know she's done this three times before we haven't so you know we are absolutely being guided by her where you know we're not pretending for a moment that we um you know know what's about to happen or anything you know so we're we're being um very much guided by her and we've also got um a doula who's work, working with us. That sounds like well, the wrong word, but she's yeah, she is, yeah. she's Kate's uh, support partner for the birth, but she's also just the person that she is. She's just been a great support for all of us. Mm. Um, and she's taken the time to talk to Glenn and I separately, see how we're feeling. And, you know, it gives, it gives her a good understanding of the dynamic of all of us. And I think for us having her involved has, you know, for Mike and I has been, and I'm, I'm absolutely 100% sure will be fantastic come the time, but even in the lead up has been so good because there is so much that we don't know. Yeah. Um, so much. And every, every day I'm learning more that we don't know. And I'm sure that will continue going. So, And the last thing we want, like, you know, Kate needs really good support when she's giving birth. And, you know, she, she um, you know, between the three of us, we all know that, Glenn and I are probably not the people that can give her the support that she needs, but um, Bree as the doula certainly is. And she's, you know, Kate, you can just tell that Kate's so comfortable with her being part of all of this. And, you know, she knows that Bree's got her back um, yeah. and we know that too. Um, and there'd be nothing, nothing worse for Kate and for all of us, I guess, than being in that birthing suite without someone like Bree and for, Kate to be sort of worried about how we're feeling and, you know, how it's all panning out mm. when she needs to be concentrating on what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was a discussion that we had early on, which um, was, was really great for us to have that, you know, Kate was very open that she needs someone there that she can rely on a hundred percent. And as opposed um, to one of us who may be passed out on the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's the thing we, I think it was important for us also to have that discussion to be able to say, you know what, as much as we would love to, we can't guarantee that we, we could support you hundred percent. 
Um, and Kate, Kate knows that she's, she's yeah. very switched on with it. So I think this, this situation we've managed to pull together with, with Bree in there as a support person is um, fantastic. And I, I'm really excited to have, have her there as well, because I, I think that will just add, add another really nice element to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What I'm hoping to do, if you're up for it, is to have a bit of a follow-up chat, maybe in a couple of months when you're not too bleary-eyed with the newborn and see how's it all going yeah. and any reflections you've got on these last few weeks and becoming parents through surrogacy. Yeah, absolutely. That was the episode with Mike and Glenn. If you have any questions about anything that came up, feel free to get in touch. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, and at sarahjefford.com.